Welcome, welcome, welcome to the All 22 Podcast, presented by FFE260 with your hosts, Aton Mosia and Frank B. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Wonderkid. Frank, where can the good people find you? Find me on Twitter at the FFL Wire. Man, it has been an exciting week. Crazy week, week three. three is now in the books. And uh, I mean, I feel like we're, we're three weeks wiser than we were at the beginning of the season. At least we have that much, right? Yeah, I, I kind of get anxious to get into the season a little bit. I don't like the first few weeks, so I'm glad we're here. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I feel like we, we have some idea of kind of what to expect, what teams are good, what teams are bad. I mean, I say that now, but, you know, the Bills smashed the uh, the Vikings. So up is down and down is up, and we really know nothing. So maybe you should listen to us. It's the opposite. It, it's the opposite rule. It, it has to be. It has to be. And we'll, we'll get that there in just a moment. Um, but uh, some news happenings for the week. We actually just discussed one concerning the Rams. Apparently this happened just a few minutes ago. You want to tell us about that? They had uh, Talib, cornerback, Rams. He's done. IR, ankle. He will not be playing Thursday night against the Vikings, which means that could open up some stuff for Stephon Diggs, Thielen. Um, but the Rams were so deep at corner this offseason. They had Sam Shields they brought in, former Packer, um, Talib. I mean, they were on a roll with corners. They were just stockpiling them. So I don't really think they lose too much of a step. But it's a, it's a blow. I mean, he's a leader. He's a vet. So it, they're, they'll suffer a little bit for that. I love to keep Talib. He's one of my favorite players. Uh, yeah. I was really, really sad when the Broncos let him go. And uh, he was getting it done over there in Los Angeles uh, this year. But um, if he's on IR, I hope at least he's designated for return at some point we see him uh, before the end of the season. Because I think um, with the stars like Talib that the Rams do have, not that they've lost very much like you've said, um, I, I think the real Super Bowl contenders, if they have their full contingent, uh, come playoff time. Yeah. Second bit of news here. It looks like there is some news coming out of Tennessee. Rashard Matthews has asked the team for his release, um, and he's been released. So, I mean, Tyler Taylor wheels up maybe? What does that mean for for everyone in fantasy? I think so, and Corey Davis. I mean, the Tajay Sharp. You're going to have to look at some of those guys. Now, I can't – the Titans are a bit of a mess, man. Gabbert, Mariota's hurt. I mean – I don't know what's going on down there. That's you're gonna have to keep an eye on that situation. That that's very true, but you know the crazy thing is they're finding a way to win games. Uh, yeah. Whether it's, whether it's buffoonery, whether it's just solid defense, the Tennessee Titans, uh, for all their offensive woes, are finding their way, finding ways to be a competitive team and to field a competitive roster game in, game out. Now the question really becomes what happens when the Tennessee Titans start to actually get some of their offensive pieces back when Mariota is back to maybe what he was a couple of seasons ago. I think this team can really, really start to kick it off if that happens because their defense, their special teams might be near the top of the league at this point. If they can get their offense to just average, uh, we're looking probably at a, a top third team in the NFL. What do you Yeah, if they can if they can stay tough and hang for midseason and get to just a decent record. I mean, if they don't go on a losing streak or if they can hang and stay 500 or better, 
if they get healthy. Their their defense is kind of underrated. Not a lot of people talk about them, but they do have a good defense. Um, they can make some noise late season. It just depends on how healthy they can be and how fresh they're going to be towards the end for for a run. All right, so we'll jump right into some of the it's a segment every week, folks, the uh, injury news uh, for this week. We already went over uh, one of them, Akeem Salim, very, very important for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, another one, uh, probably even above that one in terms of total importance is, and uh, you might want to sit down for this one, folks, Jimmy Garoppolo, torn ACL, out for the season, the prettiest boy in the sport outside of Tom Brady, of course. Jimmy G gone for the remainder of the 2018-2019 season. What are the implications of this? Yeah, that's a huge blow to the Niners. Man, they've got um, C.J. Bethard. Is that correct? I think he's out of Iowa, I want to say. Yep, um, yep. Man, that, now they got to hitch the wagons to the C.J. train. Well, it's a, it's a big drop-off in my opinion. I know he's, he's not new to the game. He's played. Um, he had some starts a while back for him, but it's a whole new ball game now. It's pretty disappointing, you know, for all the stock and all the work they put in this off season, um, getting McKinnon, then they lose him, then they get Morris. Now he's banged up and we'll get into that too. But um, just overall, they've got a, a storm cloud hanging over that franchise right now. It kind of sucks. I, I like when the Niners are good. I'm not a fan, you know, per se, but I think when they're good in the NFL, the NFL is good for that. Uh, it's, it's always nice to see them competitive. It is. It is. They're one of the uh, the league's classic franchises. Just one of the ones that you think of um, that years ago really used to dominate the league and kind of made a name for themselves at that point. Um, recently, it's like you said, it's it's been like there's a, there's a storm cloud over that team. There's just been problem after problem. And uh, I think the loss of Jimmy Garoppolo really kind of spells the end for yeah. the rest of that team in terms of at least wanting it from a fantasy perspective. Now, there are a couple of pieces that I think still maintain relevance, uh, though Jimmy Garoppolo's down, but I definitely uh, would be um, marking down George Kittle and Marquise Goodwin as two players that you probably should not expect to get the uh, level of production you maybe thought you would be getting uh, just three weeks ago. I think they've really taken a, a hit to their potential fantasy value this season. Yeah. Rex Burkhead. Of the New England Patriots is out. Done. Uh, he is, I think he just got put on IR. It's a knee issue. He had a knee issue that he was dealing with uh, during the preseason. So maybe it's just further complications with that, although I have not confirmed that, so don't hold me to that. What does that mean for the backfield of the New England Patriots? And what does that mean for that team overall? There's, uh, there's a couple of new people that are going to have to be rotated in to replace Burkhead. And obviously, they just got a star receiver. So. Rex Burkhead injury means for all of this. I'm curious to see if they're going to sign a free agent. I don't think they would, but there's been rumblings that they, they could sign somebody off the street. But I think it's James White and Sony. I mean, there's your one-two punch. Just roll with it. We know James White, what he brings to the table for that team. I think he's no reason an, not to. Yeah, I think he's an underrated back for them, and he he's the grinder on that team for the offense. I mean, catching passes out of the backfield – He's a good runner. I've, I've watched his whole career, you know, from the Wisconsin Badgers to 
the Patriots. He's a really good back. He's pretty complete. I think they just ride him and Sony as long as Sony stays healthy. I think they're all right with a one, two, but I don't know. I think they could sign a street guy, but I just, I don't see why they should. I think they should roll with the two and see what happens. I guess the only question becomes if some, if somebody else gets hurt, somebody else that position gets hurt. Do the New England Patriots have yeah. the, the depth to compensate? So I do think you might be onto something when you're saying uh, that they probably will be looking to sign uh, a veteran in the coming week or so. So I think you should expect, uh, some new personnel out in New England uh, pretty soon. Uh, topic number three, A.J. Green. He's got hurt in the last game, uh, groin injury. A.J. Green has kind of been dealing with niggling stuff over the last uh, two to three seasons, uh, but he's still producing. He's still producing at an absolutely ridiculous level. He just had three TDs the other day. So what's happening with A.J. Green? What does that mean for the Cincinnati Bengals? He's He's playing through it, man. That's crazy. Groins are no fun. Uh, just like the ribs we were talking last week, that's a constant pain um, for him to ball out and play through it. Hopefully it, he can keep going. Otherwise, I, I think as far as, you know, your hot waiver wire ads, Tyler Boyd's at the top of the list, and he's the next uh, benefit if he is to miss any time for the groin injury. But if he keeps playing, man, I, I think he's he may take a little bit of a dip, but, you know, getting hit and, and whatnot that's not not good for the injury but hopefully it doesn't turn into anything worse actually my issue with it um i'm no doctor by any means i don't pretend to be so take everything i say uh at least in this regard with a grain of salt but a groin injury to me seems like something that can be re-injured relatively easily yeah and that's you know double on a football field so i hope aj green is still able to to keep himself safe out there and not get hit the wrong way that actually puts him out for the season um, or longer uh, playing with this groin injury. So uh, Evan Ingram, uh, he has been ruled out for the next two to four weeks with a strained MCL in the knee. Uh, Evan Ingram, he's a good side end. He's one of the, uh, I would say, five, six most talented tight ends in the league. He wasn't having a particularly great season Uh yet but you know everyone on that Giants team is taking a little bit of time to to kind of get their feet under them what does the absence of Evan Ingram mean for that passing game and for that team as a whole we're going to spread the targets now to Sterling Shepard maybe some more Saquon Barkley Odell um I think it just gets spread around a little more Shermer's a good coach he'll he'll get people lined up but I don't know do you think they would focus more on the run game now or try to keep Eli from throwing 50 passes a game <laughs> I don't know yeah I, that's that's the worry because I don't think they have the bodies up front to really be a run first right. I don't know that you want to necessarily with weapons like uh, OBJ on the outside that said other than Will Hernandez I was looking at um, a stat I think I got from RB on Twitter uh, not too long ago that showed that other than the left guard position where Willie Hernandez plays, everyone else on that offensive line is struggling and struggling badly. Um, I will worry for that running game. I think it's really going to be one domino that, that knocks that team over. And I don't think Evan Ingram is going to be that domino. I think they have enough 
on the outside with, like you said, OBJ and Sterling Shepard. Um, but I think that if anybody goes down on the offensive line, Hernandez goes down on that offensive line, we're going to see some really, really bad football out of uh, NYG. And it's not like we haven't already seen a little bit of that this season. Yeah, Rhett, Rhett Ellison is your t- next man up, tight end behind Evan Ingram. So who knows? He could jump in and turn the world upside down. He could be a total dud. It's hard to say. <laughs> you never know. We'll have to kind of wait and see with that one. Tyrod Taylor of the Colts out with the concussion. That's a, it's a tough way to go out. You know, any any veteran profession, anybody that's been there for a long time, put the hours in, put the works in, and has been good, you know, at your position, at your profession, it's hard to see them go out with an injury. Um, but I really don't see Tyrod regaining control of uh, the QB room in uh, Cleveland, and I think it's it's Baker time. Yeah, if Baker well, Mayfield is halfway decent, he ain't getting his job back. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 kind of sad. It seems like it's over for Tyrod. Um, he wasn't particularly strong in his games, also as a Cleveland Brown, and that makes me worry for the future of his career. You would think a guy like Tyrod, even though he's displaced by a Baker Mayfield, you would think that there is one or two locations in the NFL that he might be able to start, but because he wasn't kind of, you know, taking the world by storm when he was uh, the starter, I, I worry for him being able to find a starting job in another team. Yeah, I think I think um, if Baker Mayfield plays halfway decent, um, the show's over for Tyrod. He'll be released or traded, who knows what. But I but I think he'll still play in the NFL. I think he can still bounce around as a backup and get some gigs, um, do the Fitzpatrick thing somewhere. <laughs> Maybe not to that extent. Exactly. Maybe not to that extent. But he'd come around for some teams. I mean, there's plenty of teams. It's just crazy the amount of drop off, you know, to these starters. It's I mean, the parody is one thing in the NFL, but for quarterbacks, I mean, it's the elite and the cliff and that's, and you're off the edge. There's no, there's like nothing else, you know, besides the rookies, but I think he's, he's viable enough to it, bounce around and stay with a team somewhere. Somebody would want him. It takes reps in the NFL to, um, to train a quarterback, to actually groom a quarterback that is able to read signals is able to uh, make sure that the defense isn't going to fool him on every, any given play is able to actually take control of the line and audible uh, from play to play to make sure that their team is in the best spot to win game in game game out all along with being accurate and being a good quarterback on the mechanic side of things I don't think that there's enough time in the NFL in these practice schedules to really spend the the time that it takes to train uh, quarterback twos or, or backups and actually develop quarterbacks. I think the NFL is kind of at a state where the only way a team gets a starting quarterback is to draft one and hope that the talent is enough for that first year or so, unless they're lucky enough to be in a position where they have a strong veteran that they can play for a year. Yeah. 
So, we started this segment last week, and like I said, this will be one for all 16 weeks in the NFL. The LOL coaching decision of the week, and the winner is Steve Wilk. He's rolling out there. You there? I'm sorry, it was cutting out. Sorry, I said, tell us, what did you do this past weekend? Uh, he is he's treading on thin water. I mean, he's he's not making a good name for himself in Arizona, you think? David Johnson, the play calling, Mike McCoy. Now Rosen throw him to the Wolves, to the Bears. Um, but, I mean, you, gotta, you had to pull him, didn't you? I mean, Bradford, look, did you see him laying on the turf? What are you going to do? He wasn't having a good game, but no. that's the worst possible time it, to put a new quarterback. I mean, you you got Josh Rosen shell shocked. Congratulations, that's what you did by putting him in in that situation. You were coming back down on a team with a top defense, top pass rusher in Khalil Mack, and CBs and DBs on the back end that can cause problems and have caused problems for other elite quarterbacks in the NFL, most notably Russell Wilson last week. That was the worst possible time to make a quarterback change because you're putting the weight of the world on Rosen's shoulders right then and right there. And I, for one, think Rosen is good enough to eventually be able to be a franchise quarterback. But in terms of the way that these two quarterbacks play, both Rosen and Bradford, stylistically, they're very similar. They're not guys that are going to make you miss. They're not guys that can really have that pocket awareness and pocket presence and be able to dip and dodge from the type of pass rushers that they're going to see in the NFL on a consistent basis. Now, I believe Rosen can get better at this, but right now, looking at the two side by side, I think they're both going to really, really struggle behind that offensive line. And I think Josh Rosen might not be that much of an upgrade on Sam Bradford. Regardless, you at least want to give a guy a week of starter reps for his first NFL game. Not giving him that and then making him go out and try to save your job, I think, is extremely selfish of the coach. Yeah, well, I guess to his defense, the play devil's advocate would be he's looking at – Khalil Mack out there, one-man wrecking crew. We all know what Mack's been doing. He's looking at Bradford going, he's going to die out there. He's going to have to pull. <laughs> like If he keeps letting him play, he might not have a Sam Bradford anymore after the game is over. So I can kind of see him trying to go back and forth in his own mind going, well, do I leave Bradford out there to get absolutely killed or do I throw Rosen in? You know, I think he just went with Rosen. He's going to have to get his feet wet sooner or later, but – yeah, against the Bears, that's not an ideal defense to throw him out against. But look at the tape, learn from the tape, and get to the next game. So he's he's going to have to get it done. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's just absolutely nuts. Uh, I, for one, will be the most surprised person on planet Earth if Steve Wilkes is still employed week 17 of the NFL season. Uh, next section here, this week's games major storylines so first and foremost we already started talking about the baker let's uh let's go a little bit more in depth yeah what did you see from baker mayfield and what do you think uh we as fantasy owners should expect going forward well i'm 
I was tempted to pick him up off of the waivers. I didn't, um, but I'm going to keep an eye on him. I mean, he was flying off. Every league I was in, somebody picked him up and grabbed him right away. He's got, like we were talking for Rosen, you know, you don't want to see the Bears. Well, at least Baker Mayfield's going to see the Raiders, which isn't hateful. He's got to go on the road, but I don't think he cares about the going on the road to see this team. Um, I think he's got a shot, a good shot to have a decent game against them. Uh, but we'll have to see how he plays. I mean, I think he's good. I loved the whole moment of him coming on the field and just everything about that game uh, when he came out. I think he's going to be all right. The team obviously took it up like 10 notches, you know, when he was out there. They played faster, more urgency. So I think that the identity of the offense is going to come around the next few weeks as long as he's good. I think he'll be all right. Fantasy-wise, I mean, quarterbacks, I don't put a lot of stock into quarterbacks unless it's you know, top two or three, but overall, I think he'll be consistent. He'll be able to get you some points each week. And if you're hurting for somebody, then yeah, see what he does. It's it's not going to hurt anything any worse than having a case Keenum or somebody else on your, on your roster. The quarterbacks that were drafted in this past uh, off season, this uh, past NFL draft, I thought Baker Mayfield landed in the best spot. Yeah. The reason that I thought this is because in terms of personnel, the Browns have a complete team. They have a good offensive line. They have a running back that can get it done, Carlos Hyde. He's not the most efficient player in the world. They have wide receivers on the outside with Antonio Callaway. They traded away Josh Gordon. That tells you what they think about Antonio Callaway. And they also have Jarvis Landry, who's making some ridiculous catches. Uh, they still have David Njoku at yep. tight end. They have Seth the Valve backing him up. So they have two capable tight ends that have been producers at the NFL level. And... They have a solid defense with one of the best up-and-coming uh, cornerbacks that they actually got, Denzel Ward, at number four in this last draft. People were really, really concerned when he was picked over the likes of Nick Chubb. But I think we're seeing, while you know it's to be seen who's better between uh, the two of them, Denzel Ward could be the next Jalen Ramsey, could be the next Marshawn Latt- Lattimore, could be the next Marcus Peters. He's that good. Yeah, and the the other thing with Baker, I mean, he's going to go to o- Oakland and have a, I think, a favorable matchup for him. I mean, he he can make some plays happen and stuff. So hopefully he's going to put some tape together. He's going to look good. He's going to be all right. But after that, he's coming back to host the Ravens, and that defense is going to give him some trouble. So we'll see, you know, what happens from one extreme to the other with him in the matter in the matter of two weeks. So I'm I'm interested to see if he can jump to that second game and look good against Baltimore, if they get the best of him on defense, we'll see. I, I, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Uh, so I don't really want to talk too much about the Ravens defense. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. Freaking Case Keenum, man. I, I'm sorry. We need a We need to sit Case Keenum. It has nothing to do with Case Keenum, but Chad Kelly looks like he could be a playmaker. I, I think like him. Chad Kelly has a little bit more when it comes to actually being athletic enough to get away from pressure and to, to, to fit it into tight windows um, on the run and, and on the move in a way that Case Keenum qu- can't quite do. So I, as a Bronco fan, want to see Chad Kelly, and I want to see him soon, but I doubt we get that opportunity. Yeah, we'll see. So... Uh, the most predictable result of the week, uh, definitely. Everybody had this on their boards. It wasn't like there was a 
17 point spread or anything like that in this game. You know, all the odds makers definitely thought that the Buffalo Bills were going to go into Minnesota and completely smash them. I mean, we should have known, right? Yeah, I should have known. Honestly, my own rule ever since the Broncos Packers Super Bowl, where the, the Broncos were favored by, or I'm sorry, the Packers were favored by 14, I believe, and they got upset, obviously. And anytime there's a game and the team is favored by, say, 14 to 17, you always go the other way. Don't think, don't blink, just go the other way. And you, nine times out of ten, you'll come out right. I never saw the spread on that game. I would have went the other way just for that just for that fact. Because it always seems to go like that. The Super Bowls, the Rams and the Patriots. Rams were, I think, 14 or 17-point favorites over the Patriots for that Super Bowl. They got upset with a Vinatieri kick. Um, there's a ton of games like that if you go back and look them all up, but it's <laughs> rules to live by. <laughs> Just think of it that way from now on and do it. That's that's my rule. But man, you know how many like 99% of America's survivor polls got smoked in that game. Done. Everybody, oh, yeah. everybody done. took the Vikings. I doubt there's one person left. No. Yeah, I, I doubt there's there's one person who actually if, if they chose that team as their survivor if they weren't saving minnesota for a later date yeah 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 it's it, it was it was it was bad <laughs> and josh allen uh what he can jump over people as a quarterback that was crazy what's going on man? josh allen is insanely athletic and he's like and six five he's six five he's six five two four this guy's big ben jumping over people think about that for a moment like he's that yeah that's crazy the main thing that everybody was talking about coming out of college for josh allen was that he was inaccurate uh that he was never going to develop as a pastor he was never going to be that guy to pick you apart and i don't know if we've learned anything from him in that regard but i've learned this josh allen is one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the NFL. Blake Bortles isn't a great quarterback. He's not super accurate. You know, he gives the ball to his receivers all the time in a catchable way. But Blake Bortles can ball. Blake yeah. Bortles can break your ankles and get 10 yards on you. And I think he improves on the passing side of the ball. If we can see big yardage gains from him. Hey, was the world as wrong about that result as they were or as they are about Josh Allen? What do you think? It, I don't know. It's, I don't know what to think anymore because I was sitting there the other day thinking just how I approach NFL games, matchups, team versus team, this and that scheme versus that. And like the parody has made it absolutely insane. We just sat here and talked about Baker Mayfield going to Oakland and then Baltimore. Well, what if before this week we said like last week we said okay Josh Allen going to Minnesota to face that Vikings defense? Nobody, nobody, nobody would have said you're going to walk into Minnesota and beat them. Let alone that defense. That defense is tough, man. The line, the DBs, everybody, Harrison Smith, Trey Wayans, everybody. And he goes in and just made them look like fools. How does this happen? Now he he could turn around this you know, coming week and lay an egg in green Bay. So it's so hard to predict that parody is just insane. I, I don't, 
I don't know how to approach a game anymore. I feel like, like, how does this stuff happen? So for Allen, I think he's got the skill set and the tools, obviously, you know what I mean? Leapfrogging guys and running like crazy. So it, he seems like he's good. It's the same thing with Carson Wentz. No, nobody kind of knew it. He'd come out of North Dakota state. Who in the hell are you playing at North Dakota state? Right. And look what he does in the <laughs> NFL. He's, he's crazy good. So it's for me, I don't know. I, it, I think there's something to be said for quarterbacks when they're rookies and they just don't know any better. And the the biggest evidence of that is the Favre and Gruden quarterback show when Favre's talking like, I came into the team, I would get in that huddle, you know, I'd come out, would make the play, and they would the coaches would talk to me on the side about nickel defense. I didn't even know what nickel defense was. He literally did not know what nickel <laughs> defense was. You know what I mean? I know it's him, but you can't tell me that every rookie quarterback is seeing those same kind of things and going, I don't know what the hell I'm looking at. I'm just run. I'm just gonna make a play. Right. Cause that's what they know. College, you just make a play. So that first year to me, I really try not to judge a uh, rookie quarterback to any kind of extent because they just, they don't know they're, they're just your pure adrenaline out there. So until they can harness it, get down. And then the next second year is where you see, have they grown? Do they grow game to game, um, self scouting, all that stuff, you know, that comes into play, but I think Allen will be good. He'll, he's just, I just hate to see him on the bills, man. It's like the, not the right team for him. He's got no weapons really anywhere. I mean, McCoy, that's it. In terms of next year's draft, uh, there's a lot of blue chip, you would say wide receiver prospects coming out of that draft. <clears throat> AJ Brown, Kelvin Harmon, potentially, and there are others. I think we should expect one of those to go to Buffalo and another to San Francisco. And I think if you can kind of be the one that, that can see the opportunity in these two uh, cities and, and make sure that you can draft one of those guys if they go wide receiver, which I, I, I hope they will, and I think it's reasonable to assume they will, I think they'll find some, some top-level produce for you in next year's rookie draft on both the Bills and 49ers. Uh, let's move on to our next game up. What happened uh, What happened to Rodgers? Rodgers is in big trouble. Big trouble. Um, basically, right now, if I guess Packer update, <laughs> Brian Balaga, the right tackle, banged up, probably not going to play. Justin McCray is not playing this coming week. Um, they're going to put Byron Bell who was a former lineman for the Cowboys that was kicked to the curb. He came to the Green Bay, did absolutely nothing in preseason, got his butt handed to him all preseason. He's going to fill in at right guard. I think they're going to put Jason Spriggs, who's a third-year tackle out of Indiana, on the right side. Aaron Rodgers is going to be running for his life. Aaron Rodgers is has gone back to a few years ago when he came out of the gates and wanted the home run ball every time he took the snap. He cannot do that. If you go back to the Bears game, the first half, that's what he's doing. He gets the snap, he goes one, two, and then he's just waiting for somebody to get open because he wants to throw a bomb. It doesn't work. The second half of that game, they come back. How did they come back? Short passes, quick passes, bubble screens, hitches, progressions. When he does that, he's unstoppable. I don't care if he's got no legs. He's unstoppable, but he gets outside of himself and wants that deep ball. He wants sandlot football. 
and he can't do it. And that's what he did in Washington. He started the game off like that. He ignored looks that were wide open underneath and didn't take them. So then you scramble, the line breaks down, the line's not already not good, and he's running for his life. He's going to get hurt, and it's going to be sooner than later, and he's going to be out again, and it's not going to be good. I don't know what is going on out here. It's crazy. It's insane. But that loss in D.C., I kind of thought they would lose because they typically don't do well out there early. They start. They always start slow. But they're out of playmakers. Devontae Adams is it. Geronimo Allison is nice. But that line has nobody. Back Tiari on the left side. Corey Lindsley at center. I don't know how they're going to stop anybody on defense. If you can get home with four linemen against the Packers, you got it made. You, I don't care what defense you are. Browns, Jets, Bucks, anybody. If you get home to the pack, if you get to Aaron Rodgers with four linemen, you got it made, man. You're going to win that game 99.9% of the time because they can't handle the blitz. They're get they're weak up front. They're just they're in a lot of trouble, man. I think that DC game, Redskins beating them showed a lot exposed a lot of weaknesses they have. Now watch, they'll turn around and beat the Bills like 52 to 6 or something, but they're they're going to be in trouble. Aaron Rodgers, I could see him getting hurt sooner than later. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I feel like for a guy like Aaron, uh, it's it's just tough. It's just tough to change your play style. And I think that's what he's being forced to do, not able to move uh, that much the last couple of games. Uh, and I hear what you're saying, especially if he can't move. He needs to, to really make sure that he takes the check down probably more than he would have when he had the ability to avoid the rush. But with that line in the current state that it is, yeah. if he can't I mean – he's not going to have enough time uh, for anybody to separate downfield to be able to catch any of his passes. So uh, I can see what you're saying by saying that uh, there, there are some problems in green Bay. Yeah. And they don't, they already don't like to run the ball. So, I mean, they're not a run team. They could care less about the run. If it was up to McCarthy, he'd throw every damn down, you know? So he's, they've got to buckle down and Rogers has got to just play discipline. He, I don't think he doesn't like it. And a lot of it, we don't know. Is he checking out of the, the run play at the line? Probably he does. He's done it a lot, but he's got to just bite the bullet and say, all right, I'm not getting a lot of yards in this game, or I'm not going to throw a bunch of hail Marys and bombs downfield and just settle for the check downs. Like you said, just take the slants, the short stuff and move the ball down the field because defensively it ain't going to happen now either. They lost uh, my, not my trade. Uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, the free agent, defensive lineman Montrevious Adams is going to take a spot so they're hurting on both sides of the ball they got too many injuries they're in they're in a rough spot that's gonna be tough um Green Bay also um AP's not dead apparently no he he went and got his Vikings jersey out of the the locker room oh yeah oh here's my quick take on AP and what I feel about AP this year and what I feel like you should expect in Washington Redskins next year Darius Geis, when he came into the league, was one of the most intriguing one back prospects in recent years. Why? Because he by himself is a very, very talented running back. Number two, only to say Quan Barkley. And honestly, it wasn't that far. Uh, Darius Geis is one of those guys who can both run you over and outrun you pretty consistently. And the limited sample size that we did see from him in preseason, he was actually even injured on a long run 
so that just tells you what he can do. That offensive line in Washington enhances what Darius guys could have been and what Adrian Peterson is now. Yeah. That offensive line is opening up holes for the running backs. Uh, I mean, we, we can see that AP can handle that work, but we can also see that that line is going to make whoever's running behind it efficient. So if you happen to be in Dynasty Leagues, if you happen to be in Dynasty Leagues, go talk to the Darius guys owner. If they don't know what's up, you will have a top, I will say a top 10 rusher in the league next season. And I'm probably too low on that. And it's because of the brilliance of that Washington Redskins offensive line, because of the Gruden play calling uh, in, in at their head coach position as well. Yeah. Yeah, that line deserves a ton of credit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Dolphins are undefeated. 3-0, and baby. Again, up is down, down is up. Yeah. I don't know what's happening with the world anymore. Tell us about the Dolphins. I don't know what they're doing. They're, I'm going to see – we're going to see what they're made of because now they're playing New England week four. Now, they seem to have New England's number – in Miami, but I'm te- I'm curious to see if they can roll into the Patriots home field and, and knock them out. I don't know, man, but their next few games, um, they're going to come back or oh, they'll play Cincinnati. Eh, they could probably win that one. I could, you never know, but then they got to host Chicago. So that's, I think Chicago is going to be the real threat for that team to get if, if they stay unbeaten or undefeated that long. I don't I don't think it could continue past the Bears. But man, how it's just another team. You look at them and you go how how do you keep winning? Doing what? With who? Tannehill? Ryan Tannehill? <laughs> hey man, 289 yards yeah. last week. I mean, I know about 89 of those was basically a run from Albert Wilson, but hey, I'll take it. Yeah, I guess looking back, I mean, week 1 Tennessee should have been really their toughest match as far as the defense goes, you know, the toughest one they would have played. The Jets are still respectable, so I got to give them some credit. You know, they can't be that as bad as we thought. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't think they're bad at all. I mean, I think they'll be, you know, 9-7, and seven, potentially 10-6 and six with the way they're playing. It looks like Adam Gase knows what he's doing. Looks like all he really needed was Ryan Tannehill. I mean, he had some quarterbacks, I guess, that he wasn't comfortable working with in the past, and that really didn't show well upon a system. But, I mean, he's showing that he can put some wrinkles in there. He's he's quite a creative offensive play caller. Um, I don't know what they're dealing with Frank Gore or Kenyon Drake yeah. or any of their receivers. It looks like it's everything by committee over there. But, hey, it, it's it's working. I yeah. just I don't know if there's any place other than maybe – really Ryan Tannehill to, to harvest any of that fantasy goodness. Pretty much. Yeah. It's Kenny Stills, Amendola had a few catches. Um, it's anybody. It's a mix. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jaquita Grant, Amendola, Devontae Parker paid, played some, even though he, you know, Devontae Parker everywhere. So maybe you should avoid him, but yeah, everyone else is, 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 is relatively viable. The return of Carson Wentz. He's back, people. He looked okay. Uh, he looked like he's still working through the rest. Only one touchdown pass, I believe. Um, but he showed some good mobility and showed that he is the Carson Wentz 
um, of old. I think it's just going to take him uh, getting some guys slammed again. Yeah, he. I liked what I saw as far as mobility, too, for running around, scrambling around. He wasn't afraid, it seemed like. I mean, he just threw himself out there on a lot of those plays and ran it out. Um, I think he'll be all right next week. He's probably fine. But he looked good. I can see why they were probably holding him out. Better safe than sorry. Peterson's a former quarterback. I mean, he knows the deal of how you should feel, how you should look. So I think he was just kind of being extra cautious this early in the season. He's not probably not too worried about it. I mean, they should be fine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's that's a complete team. Uh, they have a good offensive line. They have a good defensive line. They have, they have decent DBs, decent receivers once everybody is healthy, once they have all their bodies. As long as I can, they, they can stay healthy, I, I think, or I would assume that uh, they'll be strong contenders um, in at least the divisional round in the NFC. Um, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, to me, looks like the 23-year-old Aaron Rodgers. And I really mean that. And the reason I mean that is because he makes off-balance, in-motion, do-not-give-a-fuck but throws yeah. all the time. And he completes them with reckless abandon. His coach, uh, Andy Reid, was actually quoted as saying uh, something that I found pretty funny. It essentially was, oh, yeah, that pass where Mahomes rolled back, saw a guy on the left, turned to the right, started sprinting to his right, and threw a touchdown pass in the back of the end zone. Yeah, got him back. I mean, this guy's <laughs> doing ridiculous, absolutely nuts things that you only see from a guy like Aaron Rodgers when he's healthy. He's a guy with incredible mobility, with excellent pocket presence, and with an absolutely stupid arm. I mean, that's that's who I would comp him to at this point. And I know I'm probably going to get hate for going out in the limb and saying, oh, well, after three games, you've seen this. But skill set-wise, they, they look very similar to me. Yeah, I can see what they saw in him coming out of Texas Tech for sure. And, um, I mean, I really, truly, honestly thought they would not throw him to the Wolves and put games on his shoulders this early. I really didn't. I really thought they would bring him along, lean on the run game, have him lean on the tight end, check downs, and get comfortable. And then through the season, he would morph into what he is now. That's what, that's how I foresee that at the beginning of the season. But I haven't honestly seen – a ton of him on highlights. I mean, I've seen all the highlights just like everybody else has, but this week I made it a point to watch like every clip of him. I could watch fine from this past week and week one. And what I come away with is this guy is Favre. He's, he's freaking Brett Favre. He is the, when he squares his shoulders up and just, and shifts and bow that, that ball comes out like a cannon. When I watched Favre's, 95 or 95 96 mvp years it's the same kind of player man go back go on youtube if you never saw it or didn't grow up with watching those years watch those years of brett Favre's highlights to sterling sharp robert brooks it's like mahomes i can see why andy Reid's scouts are probably like you got to check this guy out they show him some tape and he goes oh my god that's brett <laughs> it falls in love with him i mean go back and look at the stuff on youtube it's pretty damn similar. I that that's what it reminded me of after I watched this game of him 
all over the field, the bullet to Conley, um, just just this whole moving around the pocket and stuff. That's what it reminded me of Favre in the ni- early, mid-90s when he was winning MVPs, man. I was like, damn. So I'm excited for him to play Denver. I really don't want him to lay an egg in Denver, though. I, something, I got a gut feeling on that one. <laughs> Can the, I'm afraid. You think they, I'm, I'm afraid for Denver next week. Are you? You don't think I, Denver's uh, defense would, would flip it on him? I went to the store today when I came back to get a paper bag because I think I'll need to think that's how <laughs> bad uh, we're going to see, at least from a Denver fan. And I think it's it's not going to be only us. I mean, obviously, we've seen it. I think we can do this against the best defenses as well. Now, the one thing I will say, just temper expectations a bit, even though I honestly don't even know if he should at this point this is his first three weeks of this year this is his fourth nfl start coaches are going to start to get some tape on this kid yeah start to figure out what his tendencies are what he does well what he doesn't do too well now i think he has some defense against that because he has an offensive mind to the caliber of andy reed that can and probably is readjusting the game plan week in week out to make sure that he kind of has a few plays that the defense has never seen before, kind of thrown it thrown in week by week. Um, but I mean, that's that anywhere in and around Mahomes and, and that Chiefs offense, fantasy football wise at least, everybody's viable. Stacked. Uh, absolutely everybody. Uh, I worry about Kareem Hunt, and we'll talk about him a little bit later on. But all the receivers, Travis Kelsey. Sammy Watkins, Chris Conley, Tyreek Hill. On any given day, you can have fantasy's number one receiver in that offense, and it's all because of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Uh, we already talked about San Francisco a bit. Uh, just kind of going to reiterate, uh, sad day losing uh, Jimmy GQ. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll see some good play out of Bethard. And uh, like I said, I do have a tidbit for you concerning San Francisco a little bit later on in this podcast. Patriots! Feels like every year the Patriots start off with a couple of games maybe not looking like themselves and then the whole world panics and thinks the Patriots dynasty is over and then the Patriots go on a 10-game win streak, get the first seed in the AFC and absolutely destroy everyone on the way to the Super Bowl over and over again. So different i mean why if so and if not what what should we actually be worried about yeah i'm not worried about it it's i mean it's because they're in the cushy afc east man it's like they're their own little stomping ground i mean they can start off the same way every year but they run that division until another team steps up and tells them otherwise um but they'll get theirs i mean they'll they'll be fine i'm not even worried about it they'll they'll pick it up but They've got some bumps on their schedule. They're going to have to play some tough teams. Um, we'll see what they do, you know, on the games that matter. But I think they're I think they're still kind of bringing their team together as far as, like, this This is like a third preseason game <laughs> for Belichick. You know what I mean? Like, the early weeks one through three, it's like an extension of the preseason for him, I almost feel like. 
he just played against his defensive coordinator. I think he the defensive coordinator um, um, Matt Patricia against him, you know? Yeah. Um, also, I think uh, one of the main problems that we're actually seeing from the New England Patriots this year is that teams are just selling out completely on Rob Gronkowski, bracketing him um, pretty much every time he gets the snap and making sure that they have somebody uh, hitting him on the line of scrimmage. I think they can do that because the Patriots to date have no or haven't had another offensive weapon uh, that can really make defenses choose on who to double cover or who to bracket that given play. I think it's just been all on Gronk and Chris Hogan and the rest of the guys that uh, Tom Brady has had to throw to haven't really been up to scratch. Now, I think when Josh Gordon comes back, this is going to have a problem because they're going to be in a quandary. They can either uh, put a safety over the top of Gordon to make sure that that corner doesn't get uh, beat or cover Rob Gronkowski. You can't do both. Uh, So I think we'll see a lot or much improved Patriots offense uh, moving forward once they get uh, Edelman, once they get uh, Josh Gordon fully embraced in the Patriots style of play. Yeah. So uh, it is the quote unquote end of the Ryan Fitzmagic uh, period of our lives this season. I'm sure it'll be back again uh, next season and might even continue. Um, should Ryan Fitzpatrick start three picks, three touchdowns, those picks maybe weren't his fault. What do you think about the whole Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Jameis Winston situation? I know that you've said uh, you at least previously expected a, a huge QB controversy, and it, you know, to be one of those uh, situations that I haven't seen recently. But you know, now knowing that uh, Jameis Winston is officially in the building, and knowing what you have in that. Uh, receiving core and still being two and one uh, in the overall standings. What do you think the Buccaneers do? Yeah, I I think the quarter, because I said the quarterback controversy would be pretty extreme if he won these three games. The Pittsburgh game, I think, was to be expected that there was going to be a bump in the road because that that's a, it's still the Steelers. I don't care what's going on. They're still the Steelers. Um, but, man, I, I between me and you, I can't do any more Monday night games. <laughs> Kansas City. Like Kansas City, Denver. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that game, man. I'm I'm jacked for that game. But it's on Monday night. I can't do the crew. I'm sorry. I know everybody's bitching about it, and I am too. But I don't need Booger McFarland preaching to me that Jameis Winston hasn't done anything in two years, so everything's okay. Well, you know, the last time I checked, if you've got two sexual assault things up against you in your lifetime, that's typically not a good thing, and you could call it a pattern. So... I'm I'm not a fan of Jameis. I'm not saying he's guilty or innocent. I'm not saying either one, but the shit shouldn't happen to you. You should be able to make it through life without having a sexual assault. I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't care if he plays or not. I don't think he should. Not on that, but on the fact that Fitzpatrick is still keeping the team competitive. Last year, Winston played hurt through his shoulder. I guess he didn't tell anybody, and he looked awful. He sucked. He didn't. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't throw it like he did. Everybody's targets were down. Every nobody looked good in that offense. He looked horrible. Um, so, like as a coaching staff, can you trust this guy to tell you anything? He just wants to play. He's going to pl- do whatever he can. You. It depends on the locker room. Is the locker room all aboard the Fitz train? It sure seems like it. Um, do you divide 
you know, potentially divide that locker room and say, all right, well, it's Jameis's show now. It's it's a huge, huge decision for that coach to make. I don't know how he would approach it, I guess. Have you seen if he's playing, if he's going to get the start next week? I think he was. He's been kind of keeping it under wraps. I haven't heard anything one way or the other. Nothing definite. Yeah, I don't think uh, word has come on who will be and who won't be starting. Yeah, he hasn't. Week, but I don't think uh, he wants to say until game time. Yeah, I don't. I think I think the answer is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he doesn't want to tell the world before he tells Jameis Winston. Yeah, and, that could be. You know, I, I can't speak to Jameis Winston's character. Uh, I, I can't really have that that conversation because everything is out about you know what he's done in his past, and you know that that's those are some pretty deplorable actions as a football player though I feel like you were right in saying that Jameis Winston last season was playing hurt and wasn't great for the majority of the season and probably should have had more communication with his coaches letting him know kind of where he was so they can make adjustments but when he did come back when he did miss those couple of games towards the end of last season uh, he was throwing 300 yards a game yeah. I mean, Jameis Winston for all his faults, is still one of those guys that probably the talent to be a top 10 NFL quarterback kind of game in, game out, just because uh, he can throw for such volume. Past week, we saw some accuracy out of Ryan Fitzpatrick, which has always been his issue. Uh, Fitzpatrick has an arm. He has an arm and a D-gap attitude. He does not care. He's not concerned. That dude knows he's going to get a job there or somewhere else next year if you cut him. So when he's playing, he's trying to win the game, and he doesn't care how that happens. He'll throw it, he'll throw five picks, he'll throw five touchdowns, and he'll feel fine. So uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick has that gunslinger mentality, and like you were saying, I think he has a locker room behind him. I don't think two of those picks were, were his fault. I think that was uh, some protections that broke down for him, and then yeah. on one of the picks, I think it was a miscommunication with Mike Evans. Uh, I think he played relatively well in that game. He obviously had a number of mistakes that he definitely improved uh, this coming week, but I don't think you've seen anything out of Ryan Fisk that warrants a benching. And I think if you are running any type of meritocracy in the NFL and you want players to know that when they've earned something, they've earned it, and if they're not playing, they haven't earned it, I think what you do is you start Ryan Fitzpatrick and you say, hey, this guy has earned it. He's been in the building every day. He's been good until – we say otherwise he's our starting quarterback i think that sends a positive message to your locker room yeah I'm, i mean if i'm the coach i I take fitzpatrick and i'm like listen man we need you against the bears you're the guy if you if you screw it up we're going to winston because we got the falcons coming up after that we need the division win and then we got the browns so i guess you know in in my mind if i'm the coach fitzpatrick damn straight better win me this bears game and I'll play. I'll let him play against the Falcons. But if he lays an egg in Chicago, I'll throw Winston back in against the Falcons and say screw it because you know you can at least throw on that team. And then you're coming back to play Cleveland after that. So, I, I mean, I'd give him. I wouldn't just yank it from him. I'd let him lose it. You know what I mean? Because if the Steelers are a tough defense, the Bears are just as tough, man. If it, if he if he could hang with the Steelers like he did. I think he should definitely be able to learn something from that game, apply it to the Bears game, and improve and come out with a win. 
Christian McCaffrey isn't your classic RB1. He's not a guy that can run through the tackles. You know, he's it's one of those one of the satellite kind of pass catching backs, kind of like a Theo Riddick that you know can just just uh, kind of be a uh, an extra receiver on your team. Apparently, that take was really, really, really wrong. Yeah, because CMC ran for I think 180 plus yards against the Cincinnati Bengals, which have or who have a decent front seven. What the crap is going on with Christian McCaffrey? Is is he? Is he an RB1? Is he an all-purpose back now, do you think? He is workhorse back. Norv Turner is calling the, the offensive plays. He's got him di- dialed in. I'm surprised C.J. Anderson hasn't done a little more, but obviously it's the C-Mac show. Yeah, uh, the fantasy footballers have been saying this for a while, um, that when Norv Turner finds a guy, he finds a guy. And he goes with that one guy. He's not about the RB by committee life. And uh, if that is his expected mindset, until we see an injury out of CMC, I think he can do this week out. Now, I don't think he'll have 100 yards. And, you know, he did have a bunch of carries in this game. I don't know if you'll see that volume uh, from game to game. I don't know if the game script is going to permit it. But uh, it looks like Christian McCaffrey has kind of taken that next step. There was a lot of news coming out this past offseason saying that he's gotten a little bit thicker. He's gotten a little bit bigger, a little bit more able to handle contact. I think we saw some evidence of that in this past game. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it. Keep running them. Keep running them. Run CMC. A couple things on the other side of those games in Detroit, uh, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati. Don't worry. We do have a couple of things that we will be getting to in just a few minutes. Next section, get them now. These are just going to highlight... Uh, just a few guys that you want to take uh, some extra care uh, to go ahead and put waiver bids in for if you haven't already. Or maybe some undervalued guys if you happen to be in Dynasty Leagues who are sitting on someone's roster, but maybe someone doesn't necessarily know what they have at this point. So Matt Breed, the reason he's at the top of my list is I think the running back out of San Francisco uh, is in a much improved position uh, with C.J. Bethard. Then he even wasn't ever really going to see the goal line work. That was Alfred Morris's. So being in the in the 20 and actually having a chance to score wasn't really Matt Breida's issue. What his issue was was getting passes, actually catching lots of targets. And I don't think he was going to see an extremely high volume of targets from Jimmy Garoppolo. C.J. Bathard, on the other hand, last season uh, threw tons for the running backs. Uh, because he was trying to check it down. He was trying not to get hit by the rush, and, you know, he's not that make-every-throw-in-the-world type of quarterback. I predict that Matt Breda will go on to have at least an RB15 season. I would go as far as to say uh, an RB13 season uh, this year just because he'll be catching tons and tons of passes from new quarterback C.J. Bethard. Uh, what do you think about that? And you can take us to our next one. Yeah, definitely between uh, Breda and Morris. I mean, Breda's got the knee. Morris has got the ankle. Who can outlast the other? Um, but with a different quarterback in there, C.J. Bethard's going to be checking it down quite a bit. I think Breda does benefit a lot more. Um, next guy would be Tyler Boyd. We were talking about A.J. Green earlier with the groin. Um, 
anything happens to Green Man, Boyd is your number one. I think he's you get him now before somebody snatches him up because he can be a wide receiver one for your roster. Two, um, you could play him in the flex if you've already got receivers. He benefits your roster no matter where you're at as far as depth goes. Um, without AJ Green, so definitely I would definitely put him at the top of your list. Tyler Boyd has really, really improved uh, this season. So far, he's on pace for 107 targets uh, with a 75% catch rate. Uh, that is 20-plus targets more than he's ever received in a previous season. Also, a catch rate that's about 10% than we've seen in previous seasons. So I think he's dialed in. I think he's one of those guys that has um, really kind of got better year by year. And I think he's, he's really starting to come into his own. Um, he has an 80% snap share in the last few games, and I know – um, a little bit of that is uh, AJ being uh, out or being injured. Um, but I think that can continue, and I think both can get offense um, because Andy Dalton's slaying the rock. Andy Dalton's a lot better than I expected this year. So I can see good things in Tyler Boyd's future. I don't know if I'd say he's a wide receiver one yet. I don't know if I'd give him that. But I think he could be an extremely solid wide receiver three and does have wide receiver two upside in this sense if they keep passing uh, at the level that they are. Now, um, when Joe Mixon comes back, we'll kind of see uh, how the split is between uh, both passing and running, but Gio Bernard was, was a decent um, play last week, so they're using him as well, and Tyler Boyd is still keeping a spot, so definitely go out and try to acquire Tyler Boyd. The the guy that you're trying to get him from might not know exactly what Tyler Boyd's about. And I think you need to get on that train early next David and Joku. And uh, this is the Baker effect. Uh, David and Joku is one of the most athletic tight ends, uh, which is actually good for fantasy purposes. Uh, he received seven targets in his first two, two games. And he got two targets from uh, last week from Mayfield, both of which he caught. Uh, I can see David Njoku becoming a stabilizing force at the tight end position that's so hard to feel. Uh, what do you think about Njoku? You can take us in the next one. Yeah, he can. He could turn into Baker Mayfield's security blanket. Uh, Baker Mayfield liked to throw the tight end at Oklahoma. It could transfer to Cleveland. I think he's definitely stands to benefit the most. Um, they're definitely going to want to keep attacking with Jarvis Landry. But yeah, I think and Joku could definitely step up there. I am personally in desperate need of a tight end, and I picked him up, thank God, because I have nobody on t for tight ends. <laughs> um, going to Ryan Tannehill would be a get him now for me, too, for a quarterback, if you're looking at quarterback help. Um, it's consistently been in the 20s, man, week one, two, and three. He hit a 38 if you're in PPR, depending on your scoring settings. Um, damn near 40 points for week three. Um, he's going to play the Patriots. He's been... Like I said, he's a little better in Miami playing them than he is on the road, but it, he's he's hot right now, so I'd ride him out. I'd definitely, definitely pick him up if you need quarterback help for sure. And then how are we looking in Indianapolis? Anybody out there you like? Uh, you know, uh, Naheem Hines. Uh, I do think that he's going to be an integral part of this offense. I think we've already seen him get involved a little bit more than we originally thought that he would. Um, I think the actual two-down pounder role in Indianapolis is a dumpster fire. I'm not convinced by uh, Wilkins. They just let go of Christine Michael. Uh, we haven't even seen Marlon Mack. He can't seem to stay healthy. 
I don't know about Indianapolis. I think they have a lot of problems offensively, both in the backfield and in the passing game. Um, but I think Naheem Hines is a solid pickup. And Washington, we'll talk about why in just a moment. So uh, it's week three uh, of the season. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, we are three weeks uh, more informed than we were at the beginning of the year. So some new norms for this year are starting to make themselves apparent. Um, let's talk about uh, some of the different players and uh, kind of give a, a bit of a dynasty stock watch on these players. Are these players trending upward? Are they trending downward? Um, are there someone maybe you should look to acquire? Uh, what do you think about the first guy uh, on your list? Tyler Lockett, wide receiver, Seattle Seahawks. Um, Doug Baldwin may be coming back. Am I hearing things right there? Uh, he's got the knee. He hasn't played in a few weeks. I'd say Tyler Lockett. I own him in a league. I think his stock is probably going down potentially if Baldwin comes back 100% healthy. I am i wouldn't dump him yet. I'm going to hold on to him because you never know. Baldwin could come back, play, get into his game, and re-injure his knee, and he's out in the third quarter. You have no idea. My personal viewpoint would be hold on to Lockett for a week or two. If it looks like Baldwin's healthy and is the main target, then I'd probably try to trade him if I could for somebody, maybe for some depth, or just move on. But I think he's a... He's a player with some stock on the down slope. Completely disagree with that assessment of Tyler Lockett. Uh-oh. Um, I think Tyler Lockett is definitely on his way upward. Um, I don't think he's going down at all, and I, I think that for a few reasons. First of all, uh, he is top 20 in the league in receiving yards. He's averaging uh, somewhere around 70 receiving yards a game, which is nuts for a guy like Tyler Lockett, his average depth of target is 14.4 yards. He's being targeted downfield by Russell Wilson, and he's making those plays downfield. He's also scored in every game so far uh, this year, and you know I know that uh, TDs can sometimes be fluky, but that's another thing to mention. But as a final point, the reason that I think that he can coexist with Tyler, with uh, Doug Baldwin is Tyler Lockett's only been getting 5.3 targets per game. Um, that's definitely a volume that is still that of a wide receiver, too. And I think if Baldwin comes back, uh, he's still going to be able to secure five to six targets per game. And we've seen he has the wheels to to take it to the house at any time. So five or six targets per game kind of might make him a good boom-bust wide receiver option. And uh, I, I really think that uh, his role will continue to grow as the season goes on. Also, um, I've mentioned this many times, uh, either on Twitter or in uh, different re- relevant podcasts. Uh, the contract issue between Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett is a big one. Uh, Doug Baldwin, uh, his cap hit, I think, is between 13 and 15 million next season, and his dead cap drops tremendously. They can actually save a bunch of money to cut or to trade Doug Baldwin if that's something that they choose to do. As for Tyler Lockett, uh, they just re signed him, um, and he's actually on the books for only 6 million next season. So I think that the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, knew that they had a plan for Tyler Lockett uh, when they signed him to that extension. And I can see him being a valued part of this offense uh, once more. It was just a few seasons ago uh, in his rookie year that we saw Tyler Lockett get six touchdowns and 500 yards. I think he's on a to smash those uh, previous uh, goals of his. And uh, I think that you have a solid wide receiver, too, on your hands if you have Tyler Lockett. Let's revisit this in a few weeks then. Let's see. It's a good thing because we're 
we are on the different ends of the spectrum. So I'd like to see that. Let's see where he, where it lies in a few weeks. I just, I'm just worried on Baldwin taking some targets away from him and coverage. I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, we'll see. Well, he's been going up against, uh, you know, CB1. So if anything, he'll have better matchups then. We'll see. We'll definitely see in a few weeks how this pans out. Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt scares the crap out of me because I don't think Andy Reid cares about running the ball. I think Andy Reid wants to drum up as many magical plays as he can with crazy roots that, you know, that that interests him. Running the ball for Andy Reid is like a chore to a five-year-old. It's just not something that they really want to do. And if they're not going to run that much, I mean, Kareem Hunt has had about 20 rushes a game. If they're not really going to focus too much on the run game or focus on getting Kareem Hunt involved in the pass game, he only has, I think, one target over these past three games, we're going to see a drop-off from Kareem Hunt. One of the reasons that he was so valuable last year was because of the receptions. And this year, if you bought Kareem Hunt, if you got him during the draft, you would think that you had a good PPR back, a guy that's going to catch about 50 passes. I don't think that's the case with Patrick Mahomes because I don't think Patrick Mahomes cares about the short throw. I don't think Patrick Mahomes knows what a dump off is. And until he works that out, that running back is going to be catching many passes for him. So for me, for Kansas City, I think if there's a piece that maybe you want to stay away from or you might want to start shopping, it's Kareem Hunt. I think you want all the receivers. I don't think you want that running back unless, of course, if something happens to Patrick Mahomes. I would agree with there. It's, it's hard to say if they come back and start to try to run the ball until they do yeah i mean hunt he hasn't even had he's only had week two against pittsburgh was a game over 50 yards <laughs> that's that's not good no i just i don't think they i don't think they're getting as involved in the offense as they could and uh maybe that changes as coordinators start to a little bit more to um you know cover the prowess of, of patrick mahomes and start to drop more people back in coverage given uh hunt lighter boxes but Man, it's going to be tough. You can't throw for, you know, four and a half touchdowns a game and rush for one or two a game. So it's it's, it's going to be difficult to, to really figure out um, what you do with a guy as talented as Kareem Hunt who just may not be as involved as he was in years past with, you know, a quarterback that was a little bit less ambitious in Alex Smith than we have now with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, why don't you tell us about the next guy on your list? Jared Goff, quarterback. Everybody was saying, I don't know about Goff for this coming year. I, did, I mean, how much did you hear with people kind of not writing him off, but eh, it's Jared Goff. He's he's the, the next up and coming, I think. I think he's, he's off to a hot start. He's got a pretty favorable schedule. Um, he's got the Vikings this week. Then he's at Seattle, at Denver at San Fran, at Green Bay, at New Orleans. He's going to be airing it out for the next five weeks or so. If he is available or you can trade for him, why not, man? You you definitely pull the trigger on that one. He's throwing a couple touchdowns a game. Week two, he only had one touchdown. Um, but, yeah, two touchdowns the first week. Week three, he had three. you got to ride him while he's hot, and I can see him staying hot for the next four or five weeks easily. Um, pretty much up until his bye week in week 12. So if you got an opportunity to get him, stock is is rising in my opinion. I'd, I'd take him by all means. 
I'm in agreement with you there. Um, I think Sean McVay uh, just makes everything in that offense so easy to read and gets people's schemes so open that uh, Jared Goff is, is just playing catch out there. I mean, all he really needs to do is just kind of do what he does in practice, and that team will be good uh, game in, game out, and as a result, he'll be good game in, game out. I think the influence of Sean McVay is all that Jared Goff really needed to kind of show uh, some of the skill that he has. He's an accurate quarterback, and he's a guy that can throw uh, with some volume. So uh, we'll we'll see how that uh, unfolds. I just think uh, one of the best things Jared Goff has going for him is he doesn't need to play his own defense on Sunday. Yeah. So I think that's going to happen as well. Uh, let's talk a little a bit about a guy that many, many, many fantasy analysts were completely disparaging in the offseason. And no, it's not Tyreek Hill, but I mean him too. Mike Evans. Mike Evans. We saw this from Mike Evans two years ago. And people thought after last year's fluky low touchdown number that Mike Evans was a second-round pick. Well, let's talk about Mike Evans. He's 14th in target share, even on a team that contains the likes of Chris Godwin, Deshaun Jackson, O.J. Howard, and Cameron Brait, Mike Evans still gets his. Why? Because Mike Evans is 6'5", 240 pounds, and plays wide receiver. He's a tight end that moonlights at wide receiver. I don't understand why people didn't like this guy. He's also fifth in total air yards this season, so they're throwing the ball to him, and they're throwing the ball to him deep. He also is second in weighted opportunity ratio, a metric by Josh Hermsmeyer. You can find at airyards.com. This guy's wide receiver two in PPR leagues right now. Don't ever at me about Mike Evans again. The next time that somebody tells me Mike Evans isn't a good receiver because he's not efficient, I'm going to have to backhand him. I'm just going to have to. I don't know how else to respond to that situation. The, the other thing I like about Mike Evans um, – Jump ahead. Week 14 of your fantasy playoffs, he's got New Orleans. Week 15, he's at Baltimore. That's tough. Don't get me wrong. Uh, week 16, at Dallas. Come on, man. You got to take him. Look ahead. Look down the road. Even if you're, like you're saying, if, if you're a person that doesn't like him, and you shouldn't, but if if you don't, take him anyway. Look at those matchups for your playoffs. I Definitely, definitely take him by all means. Just don't at me about Mike Evans. I, I don't want to hear it anymore. I'll just I'll keep writing articles that just show you why you're wrong. Yeah, stock Andrew rising. Luck. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, stock way up. So again, that stock up Tyler Lockett, stock down Kareem Hunt, stock up Jared Goff, stock up Mike Evans, and we're about to move on to our next guy, which is go ahead. Duck beard, Andrew Luck. The beard, the feared beard. What's uh, What do you think about Andrew? I, I don't know what to think yet. I mean, he's been getting it done. He's looked a little rusty. I figured he would be coming back. Um, his schedule, too, isn't isn't horrible. I like his schedule coming up. Houston, New England, the Jets, the Bills, the Raiders, and then a bye week. I think he'll steadily improve. Um, he's got to get a little better against the Blitz, though. He's He's got a passer rating of 72-4 against the Blitz. He's ranked like 29th or something there. He's got to get a little better hanging in there. I don't know with the Jack Doyle being out. 
if he's playing or if he's not. I mean, Ebron has been good, but you don't want to take any targets away from Andrew Luck right now. Now is the time to give him targets. I I would say his I would say ri- slightly rising in my opinion based off of he's a pro, he's a good player, he's not a bottom level quarterback. I think he's got to get the rust knocked off. Uh, the next few weeks will get him to where he needs to be and where we are accustomed to seeing him, and then he'll be good. So I, I'd say slightly rising green, not too green, though. I like this uh, this segment. We're going to do this a lot more because I completely disagree with you. <laughs> I think they are seeing red. You think he's Arnold's... done? I I don't think he's done. I'm not going to go that far. I don't think Andrew Luck is done. You're not in the done Please club. This from me that I, that I think Andrew Luck is done. I don't, and don't take that out of context. I know somebody's going to take that and put that on Twitter somewhere. Oh, we can explain it. it. Myself, <laughs> but I'll explain it at that point. Andrew Luck isn't who Andrew Luck was. One of the main great attributes of Andrew Luck in years past was his arm strength and his ability to get the ball downfield uh, on the run or in the pocket. I think a couple of things that you were saying about him struggling versus pressure this year. Yeah, uh, he's, is, he is can't handle it. Because they've spent a lot on that offensive line, and they've really done what they can for him in that area. And it seems to still kind of not be working. A second thing about Andrew Luck is from 2012 to 2016, Andrew Luck had an average depth of target of nine yards, approximately, give or take. Nine yards, which is pretty good, which is pretty solid in the NFL. Nine yards per completion. He now has an average depth of of target of 5.2 yards this season so far. It's a small sample size. That, coupled with the fact that he was actually taken out for the Hail Mary throw this past weekend, makes me worry about the condition of the nerves in Andrew Luck's shoulder. Is he still that quarterback that could get it downfield, that had an arm that could get the job done downfield consistently, or is he now a quarterback that is going to be more of a dink and dunk type of QB? Now, that's not saying that these guys can't be successful. Brady is that type of quarterback. Uh, his predecessor Indian in Indianapolis, Peyton Manning, was that quarterback. But I think the reason that these quarterbacks were so successful is because they could adjust to defenses and they could make changes at the line of scrimmage Excellently. That's what separated Peyton Manning and separates Tom Brady. I don't know if Andrew Luck is there yet mentally, and if he's lost something physically, I really worry about his career path moving forward. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think he'll get a little better. I don't think he's totally done, but it is concerning. I agree there. We will see. We definitely will see. Close. High. Hyde is still good. He was good last season, and he was traded to the Browns this season. And I honestly thought by week four, we'd be talking about maybe Carlos Hyde being usurped by Ricky Nick Chubb. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Nope. What do you think about Carlos? I like Hyde. When he's healthy, he's dangerous. Um, and he's a pretty, pretty complete back. I mean, he'll catch stuff out of the backfield too, but straight up, running between tackles he's a bruiser man i liked him um on that thursday night game too he looked really good yeah carlos hyde is is a good running back he's not a great running back by any means but he gets the job done it's a grinder Uh, 
three games. Yeah, he's a grinder. He's gotten 20K, so he's definitely in for good volume, and he's averaged 1.3 touchdowns per game. Now, obviously, that is unsustainable, but with the uh, incoming of Baker Mayfield, I think you can see a lot more red zone opportunities for a guy like Carlos Hyde, just because I think that offense is going to be noticeably better with Baker at the helm. I think Baker lifts all ships. I think Hyde is one of those ships, and his contract actually is for a couple of seasons. I thought he was going to be cut at the end of this season. That might still occur. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen, you know, come time to make cap casualty decisions in the offseason for the Cleveland Browns, but most of that team is young, so I can't imagine they're terribly expensive. And Carlos Hyde's getting it done. He's outplaying uh, Nick Chubb significantly, uh, and he did that in the preseason. So, um, dynasty? I I don't know about where Carlos Hyde goes. For redraft, I think he's a great pickup, but um, in terms of his dynasty stock, I, I'd probably say it stays about the same. I'm not going to say it's going to go up or go down, but um, Carlos Hyde is, is a valued commodity. I mean, if you need a running back this season, get him. If you need a running back for the future, I wouldn't say don't get him. I would just say understand that his situation may not be as stable as it seems. Yeah. He and it, he's a, he could be one injury away too from losing it to to Nick Chubb, so Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's definitely a good point as well. Um what about these sultry sultry sounds of Kenny G? Love him. Love him. Love him. Picked him up. Glad I got him. Definite ad. Definitely Dynasty Green stock rising. Pick him up now immediately. Um, he's he's baby Tron. He's here. I think he's established himself in the offense now. Um, they're getting away from Marvin Jones a bit, and he is proven that he can handle it. He's young. Snatch him up. Snatch him up quick. Detroit has a lot of similarities with the Los Angeles Rams offense. Uh, these are two offenses that are going to run 11 personnel 90% of the time. And if you're going to run three wide receivers that often, uh, having a guy like Kenny Galladay is going to help because he is out there playing every down. He actually plays in two wide sets, and uh, Golden Tate is the one that takes the seat in Detroit, even though Golden State has more targets than Kenny Galladay. But just a few quick tidbits on what Galladay has accomplished so far. He's 10th league-wide in targets. That's definitely something that you want to see, especially in an offense with two other wide receivers that are relevant. Um, so I, I think he's seeing a consistent target volume, and we can uh, reasonably assume that he'll see that target volume uh, for the remainder of the season, and it might even grow. I think he's actually establishing himself as that team's wide receiver one. Now keep that on the down low. I, this is just my thought, but uh, he hasn't necessarily done that yet, and you still got to give Golden State and Marvin Jones their due. Um, but J Babytron, as J.J. Zacharyson would say, is the top person to get. I think Dynasty long-term uh, green lights everywhere, like yeah. you were saying. This guy's going to be good. He's already a top receiver or at least he has so far been a top 12 receiver this year his weighted opportunity rating again from josh Herm herms myers uh again at frisco dross uh at his we website airyards.com uh his uh weighted opportunity rating is similar to that of tyreek hill and stefan diggs 
and again, he's six four with speed. So Kenny Galladay is is definitely somebody you want on your team moving forward. Yeah, uh, when he's arrows all the way down. Yeah, when he's lined up wide, he's averaging fifty one point three yards a game. Come on, man, you can't even. Oh, that's a nice stat in the sheet. That's just beautiful. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he's he's gonna be good. Now, let's talk about the uh, Le'Veon Bell situation. What? the heck is going on and i mean what what do you see out of bell uh do you think he's going to come back this year do you think he's going to get traded uh what are the implications of where he gets traded uh the jets were one of the teams reportedly that kind of made a bet at him and i'm sure there's a couple others out there who would no doubt use his services probably like a, a team like tampa bay um what do you think uh, we should value, or how do you think we should value Le'Veon Bell? For me, I'd, I'd say stock is down, man. You don't know what the hell he's going to do. I I swore he would have came back around when money talks, but if he's got the thing in his contract where he can sit till like, what, week 10 or something, I guess he's riding it out. He ain't going to go anywhere. So how do you put any stock in him when you don't know where he's going to go or to what team, what scheme, what system, a downgraded offensive line, an upgraded offensive line. Who knows where he's going to go? Um, if it's the Jets, meh, I don't know. A young quarterback, probably be a good good thing for him out there. Um, I don't think they're horrific running the ball, but still, it, it could be somebody else out of left field that you have no idea that steps up like the Bears – did with Khalil Mack you know you nobody saw the Bears taking him um so I just for the basis of not knowing where he is going to go I would say his stock would be falling I'm right in agreement with you um I think James Conner has been good and the reason that James Conner has been good is because that offensive line I take nothing away from Le'Veon Bell um obviously I think Le'Veon Bell is here uh, to somebody like James Conner I think Le'Veon Bell is one of the elite backs in the league but I think wherever he goes, 90% of the places that he could choose to go have worse offensive line situations than uh, the one that he has in Pittsburgh. So I do think it's stocked down as well. How far down, we, we don't really know. Um, but we might have seen the best that we'll see from Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Um, and then finally, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in Houston with Deshaun Watson. Um, I actually just want to throw this out. Um, Houston. Uh, this is actually a stat I saw from uh, Josh ADHD on Twitter at Fantasy ADHD. Uh, Houston has the worst QB pressure rate in the league. Um, Deshaun Watson has been under siege, and he seemed to come back down to earth a little bit more this year than potentially, or than we've seen, uh, than we saw last season. Uh, what do you think is going on with Houston? What do you think is going on with Watson? He, he kind of reminds me of what Rodgers is doing with looking for the home run ball almost. It, it's I don't know. I, he seems like he's just looking for deep bombs rolling out. He's not taking what the defense gives him. I don't know. That, that's a hard one to figure out. I thought he, Watson would be a hell of a lot better this year um, coming back, but I, I don't know what to think there. Yeah, it's uh... – Dangerous small sample sizes. I can see what you're saying about trying to go for the deep ball maybe a little bit too often, um, and losing Bruce Ellington, Ellington probably doesn't help. But yeah. until that offensive line gets together and give him some time to make his reads, I think uh, we're going to see 
uh, just a step back from Watson. Now he has the rushing upside to be a top 10 quarterback, regardless kind of how he throws. Um, but I think uh, people are a little bit quick, too quick to judge Deshaun Watson. I think we, we see that he's a human being this year. So that is it for our show this week. Thank you so much, All22 Army, for listening. Uh, again, my name is Tan Mosia. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore WonderKid. And I am here with my co-host, Frank. And you can find him on Twitter at the FFL Wired. You have uh, anything to say in parting to our listeners, Frank? Thanks for the download. Thanks for listening. If you agree with us, if you disagree with us, hit us up on Twitter. We'll definitely conversate with you. Um, respectfully. <laughs> um, but yeah, hit us up, man. I love going back and forth on Twitter with like intellectual, good conversations about football and players. Um, so yeah, as long as it's it good, good fun, man, I'll, I love it. Do it. Hit me up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially if there's anything that we left out. Yeah. So again, thank you so much for the listen. Thank you so much for the download. And thank you most importantly for being part of the all 22 army. See you guys in the next one. Peace.